Welcome to Teacher Quit Talk. I'm Miss Redacted. And I'm Mrs. Frazzled. Every week we explore the teacher exodus to find out what, if anything, could get these educators back in the classroom. We've all had our moments where we thought, what the hell am I doing here? From burnout to bureaucracy to soul-sucking stressors and creative dead ends. From recognizing when it was time to go to navigating feelings of guilt and regret afterwards, we're here to cut out the gaslighting and get real about what it means to leave teaching. We've got insights from former teachers from all over the country who have seen it all. So get ready to be disturbed. Join us on Teacher Quit talk to laugh through the pain of the U.S. education system. We'll see you there. Thank you to Jenny Kane for sponsoring our show. Get 20% off all furniture and home decor, free shipping on furniture, early product access, and much more with a JKH membership. Join at JennyKane.com membership. Jenny Kane Home creates California-inspired classics for any room or mood. Go to JennyKane, J-E-N-N-I-K-A-Y-N-E.com slash home to create the space you'll never want to leave. Hey all, this is Glenn Kirshner, and you're listening to Muller She Wrote. So to be clear, Mr. Trump has no financial relationships with any Russian oligarchs. That, that's what he said. I, I, that's what I said. That's obviously what the, the, our position is. I'm not aware of uh, any of those activities. I have been called a surrogate at a time or two in that campaign, and I didn't have not have communications with the Russians. What do I have to get involved with Putin for? I have nothing to do with Putin. I've never spoken to him. I don't know anything about him other than he will respect me. Russia, if you're listening, I hope you're able to find the 30,000 emails that are missing. So it is political. You're a communist. No, Mr. Green. Communism is just a red herring. Like all members of the oldest profession, I'm a capitalist. Hello, and welcome to Muller She Wrote. I'm your host, A.G., Allison Gill. And I have a really great show for you today. Later on, I'm going to be joined by John Fugelsang. He's the host of Tell Me Everything on Sirius XM Progress. And uh, he's uh, got a new daily podcast called The John Fugelsang Show. You definitely want to check that out. And uh, we're going to be talking everything from uh, a crew lawsuit uh, against the State Department and the CIA about nuclear um, secrets given to Saudi Arabia. They want documents on that. They weren't produced. And so now they're suing. We're going to talk a little bit about Paul Manafort. He's back in the news for all of those uncharged things he wasn't convicted of. The jury was hung on. And uh, instead of prosecuting, it seems that the Department of Justice is filing a civil lawsuit. We're going to talk a little bit about that. And um, that's from Josh Gerstein at Politico. And then, of course, in, uh, in interesting news, the CEO of Boeing is, has a SADS. So we're going to talk about that as well. So uh, let's jump in with just the facts. All right. First up, from DefenseOne.com, Boeing should have rejected then-President Donald Trump's proposed terms to build two new Air Force One aircraft. And that's according to the company's CEO on Wednesday of this past week. Dave Calhoun spoke Wednesday on the company's quarterly earnings call, just hours after Boeing disclosed that it had lost $660 million transforming two 747 airliners to flying White Houses. Quote, Air Force One, I'm just going to call a very unique moment, a very unique negotiation, a very unique set of risks that Boeing probably shouldn't have taken. Calhoun said, but we are where we are, and we're going to deliver great airplanes. <laughs> okay. Then President Trump, an aviation enthusiast, took a keen interest in the new presidential jets, involving himself in everything from the contract negotiations to the plane's color scheme. 
As part of the deal, Boeing signed a fixed-price contract that required the company, not taxpayers, to pay for any cost overruns <laughs> during the complicated conversion of the two airliners. Then Boeing CEO Dennis Muhlenberg, who was fired in December 2019, personally negotiated the Air Force One terms with Trump at the White House and the former president's Mar-a-Lago Club in Florida. In February 2018, the Air Force signed a nearly $4 billion deal with Boeing to convert two 747 TAC-8 airliners into VIP configuration with conference rooms, sleeping quarters, communications gear, and amenities that allow the president to work as if he were at the White House. Work. That's funny. Along with other costs related to building the planes, for instance, a new hangar complex at Joint Base Andrews just outside Washington, the Air Force One program is expected to cost taxpayers $5.3 billion. Uh, when the deal was finalized, the White House claimed Trump's negotiations saved taxpayers $1.4 billion. So they were about $5 billion off. Boeing's struggles to build the new planes might in fact save taxpayers more than when the planes were finally delivered. That's, of course, a bunch of bullshit. Company officials say their problems included a dispute with a subcontractor and the kind of coronavirus-related supply chain and workforce issues being experienced across the defense aerospace sector. So they're building planes for Trump. They say, if we run over budget, we'll pay for it. And then we're in the middle of a supply chain crisis created by Trump. Beautiful. No wonder that CEO was fired. Boeing blamed the most recent $666 million loss on higher supply costs, higher costs to finalize technical requirements, and schedule delays. Because of Trump. The Air Force's fiscal 2023 budget proposal said the new planes might not be ready to fly a president until at least 2026. Cool. So that's happening. In other news, Manafort. Okay. Remember how he was convicted? He went to trial and they only uh, convicted him on some of the counts, not all 18 counts, and that the jury was hung 11 to 1 on several of those counts. And then the pardon issued by Trump for Manafort only specified the shit he was convicted for, not what he was not convicted for. And with that in mind, the feds are now seeking a $3 million payment from Paul Manafort over failing to disclose offshore accounts, which we know he already did. But instead of charging him with these crimes, and I'm guessing it has to do with statute of limitations, even though these crimes were filed already, he was already indicted on these crimes, he just wasn't convicted, so I don't think it's a statute of limitations problem. But it, the, Josh Gerstein says the, the DOJ is suing Manafort for $3 million in penalties related to his alleged failure to file reports disclosing more than 20 offshore bank accounts, including uh, bank accounts in Cyprus, the UK, St. Vincent, and the Grenadines. Now, according to this civil suit filed in federal court in West Palm Beach, Florida, on Thursday of this past week, the Treasury Department assessed the penalties against a longtime lobbyist, in July of 2020, exactly five months before Trump pardoned him. Now, that case was pursued, as we know, by Mueller, uh, and he, he was able to secure convictions there. And an attorney for Manafort expressed disappointment, though, that the Justice Department is filing this case, which was brought near Manafort's legal residence in Palm Beach Gardens, Florida. Quote, today's civil suits uh, seeks a money judgment against Mr. Manafort for simply failing to file a tax form. That's all. Just a small crime. <laughs> the Justice Department declined to comment on the suit, as they often do. And, and Manafort told Politico earlier this month, according to Gerstein, that Manafort was planning to head back to work soon, doing general business consulting. Recently, he was pulled off a plane to Dubai because his passport had been revoked. He's also 
under scrutiny in the Tom Barrick indictment, which was, happened last July. And there's still one crime that has not been, you know, the statute of limitations has not expired on with regards to that lobbying effort. Uh, and during that 2018 jury trial, we know um, that he was, he was on various criminal charges. He was found guilty of failing to file a foreign bank account report of 2012, but the jury couldn't reach a verdict on the same charge for 2013 and 2014. They were 11-1, like I said, on those counts. This suit by the Justice Department signals that federal attorneys have concluded Trump's pardon doesn't cover the 2013 and 2014 charges. So why aren't they charging him? Um, the, the, the indictments were filed in time. That's very, I don't understand why they're not deciding to go back to trial here. And I'm, I'm waiting to hear back from some experts. And, you know, Weissman had, had something to say about this. He published a, uh, an op-ed on just security, arguing Trump's pardon for Manafort was poorly worded failed to cover the charges he was never convicted of in Virginia, and he said Manafort was sent home from his seven-and-a-half-year prison sentence after serving just two years. And and Weissman, Andrew Weissman, argued that he was, by the way, the head of Team Manafort on the Mueller probe, and he argued that the punishment of Manafort was so modest that the Justice Department should re-prosecute him. They should consider re-prosecuting him on those 10 mistried charges in Virginia, as well as other charges dismissed, the ones that he didn't, that, that were dismissed after he agreed to a plea deal including conspiracy to defraud the United States, which was handing over that polling info to Konstantin Kalimnik. So, uh, reimposing appropriate punishment, he said, one imposed by two courts, is thus not only fair in a system wedded to the rule of law, but may increase the chance of finally learning the truth. That's uh, from Weissman's op-ed, indicating he believes Manafort knew more than he previously acknowledged about Trump's connections to Russia. That might all come out if they re-prosecuted this, but they've gone with the civil suit, and I've reached out, and Politico reached out. Weissman has declined to comment on this lawsuit filed on Thursday. Maybe this is what he's been working on since the Barrick indictment. Justice Department lawyers seem to take a broader view of the Trump pardon than Weissman. About a month later, government attorneys cited the pardon as they told a federal judge they were dropping efforts to complete forfeitures of three properties owned by Manafort. Now, quote, the department, they said this is in that that dropping of the uh, efforts to complete forfeitures. The department is determined that due to Trump's full and unconditional pardon of Manafort, it's necessary to dismiss the criminal forfeiture proceedings involved in the four assets, which were the subject of ongoing forfeiture ancillary proceedings. The decision cleared the way for Chicago, a Chicago bank that gave Manafort loans backed by the properties to foreclose and resell them. Now, although the Justice Department could have tried to prosecute Manafort over the allegedly unfiled uh, financial disclosures, the new court filing may signal that department attorneys concluded that a civil lawsuit was a better way to go to further penalize Manafort than in initiating new criminal prosecution. And I'm, I, I still don't understand why. I'll, again, I'll find out if I can get an answer. This new suit says Manafort failed to comply with a requirement to report all foreign accounts under one's control uh, in the to if the total balance exceeded 10000 which it did. Two of the accounts um, had a balance of less than 200000 at the time, and one had about, about 440000 So that's more than 10000 Gerstein writes, All of the accounts were in the names of offshore companies that Manafort controlled or had signature authority over with the banks involved, according to the complaint. During the criminal cases several years ago, prosecutors alleged Manafort used the accounts to park funds he earned from political consulting in his work in Ukraine for Russian-backed separatists, but transferred some of the money to pay his bills in uh, in the U.S. for real estate, landscaping, expensive custom clothing. Remember the ostrich jacket and all that awful stuff? 
He also failed to pay taxes on much of the money that remained overseas uh, or the sums he used to pay debts here. Uh, And that's according to the former complaints there. So again, once I find out why there's a a civil suit and not indictments, I mean, I, I don't get it. I don't understand that thought process. And I I hope the Justice Department talks about its declination to re-prosecute, though I doubt they will. We will see. All right. Coming up next, I have an incredible interview with John Fugelsang, uh, host of Tell Me Everything on Sirius XM Progress and a, a host of the new John Fugelsang podcast, Weekday Mornings, wherever you get your podcasts. And what, what this is about and what we're going to talk about to, to kick it off is that American Oversight has sued for records related to Trump administration's attempted Saudi nuclear deal. And if you have a chance, go back and listen to episode six of Mueller, she wrote. It came out in very early 2018. It's called the Middle East Marshall Plan. And that's what this is all about. Flynn's been trying to get this done since 2014 with the help of KT McFarland, Bud McFarland, um, and Eric Prince, Copson. I think uh, even uh, Mitch McConnell's staff was in on this uh, as a test a test reactor was going to be built in Kentucky. Anyway, check that episode out if you haven't heard it. It's in the way, way back machine, the kitchen table days. So please forgive the audio, but it'll it'll set this up really nicely. And uh, we'll be right back after this break with John Fugel saying, stick with us. Hi, everybody. Thanks for listening to Mueller She Wrote today. Today's show is brought to you by Jenny Kane. With a new season upon us, it is a great time to bring a new point of view to every room. As you know, I recently gutted my house, so I brought a new point of view to every room, quite literally. As you know, I updated my home, and now I'm updating the decor for spring and investing in some quality pieces that make every room look and feel complete and homey. Uh, If you want to level up your home, I highly recommend Jenny Kane. Jenny Kane Home has everything you need to create the home of your dreams, from handmade furniture and kitchen essentials to pillows and throws that you can pair with anything. Jenny Kane Home is my ultimate source for all things home. Each piece, whether it's a candle, a throw, or a sofa, makes a room feel elegant and complete and calm and spacious. My favorite thing right now is Jenny Kane's gorgeous pillows and throws. Uh, I have the alpaca throw. It's super soft. It's so comfy and cozy. It looks great sitting on my couch. Uh, Bruce Willis has co-opted it as his own, but sometimes he allows me to use it when he's being very kind. They're handcrafted, versatile pieces. They're beautiful, perfect for the sofa bedroom or, you know, any accented addition. They're um, just gorgeous. Settle in with the epitome of cozy comfort with the Tahoe Cashmere Throw and the Alpaca Basket Weave Throw. Again, that alpaca one is the one I have. It's so nice. With California-inspired classics to fit any room or mood, Jenny Kane Home offers something for everyone. With emphasis on natural textures and inviting neutrals, these are pieces that you will love coming home to. Get 20% off all furniture and home decor, free shipping on furniture, early product access, and much more with a JKH membership. You can join at JennyKane.com slash membership or go to JennyKane.com slash home to create the space you'll never want to leave. That's J-E-N-N-I-K-A-Y-N-E dot com slash home. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. I am happy to be joined today by my very good friend, host of Tell Me Everything on Sirius XM Progress, and now a brand new daily 30-minute podcast, the John Fugelsang podcast. Welcome, John Fugelsang. So nice to be back. Thank you very much, Allison. It's good to see you. Your hair is getting longer and more luxurious by the minute. Uh, yeah, my pandemic mullet. Uh, I look like a goth country singer. It's pretty bad. It's uh, <laughs> it's finally getting hacked off, I think. I'm going to the uh, correspondence dinner tomorrow, so I think I've got to try to 
look less like John Wick uh, at a Moroccan oil sale by by this time. So tonight, I think we're going to see a lot of it go away. But thank you. You look great as always. Thank you. You're going to have so much fun at that correspondence dinner. Uh, I can't wait to see photos and hear all about it. Um, but today, what I wanted to talk to you about, and let me read you the headline here, because Please. this is uh, pretty... <laughs> this goes all the this goes back a ways, right? Because mm-hmm. we've been talking about this particular situation um since I think episode six of Mueller she wrote way back in twenty early twenty eighteen. And the headline is American Oversight, which is a really great organization, sues for records related to Trump administration's attempted Saudi nuclear deal. And when I say it goes all the way back, we had an episode, episode six, called the, the Mideast Marshall Plan, which uh, Flynn has been working on since 2014. And the idea is to build nuclear reactors and give nuclear technology to Saudi Arabia, build about 40 mm-hmm. reactors there so that, that we can guard them with our troops or mercenaries from Eric Prince's private army and uh, quote unquote, recolonize the Middle East. Uh, and despite that weird-ass plan, there are huge dangers involved in sharing our nuclear secrets via government with Saudi Arabia. Can you talk a little bit about your thoughts on this? Because I guess what happened is a month ago, they filed FOIA requests for what happened with that whole thing, and they yeah. didn't respond. And so now they're suing the CIA uh, for, for that information. Well, I mean, this is another chapter in the long attempt to, I guess, recolonize, reattempt to colonize the Middle East. I mean, let's not forget, we had troops in Saudi Arabia for over a decade. Uh, That was, I'm pretty sure that was Osama bin Laden's number one reason for the World Trade Center attack, not because he hated our freedoms, but because we had our troops in the Holy Land. And God bless him, Dom Rumsfeld made sure to give Osama exactly what he wanted and pull the troops out. And, And for me, this is the sort of thing that's been going on all of our lives, right? For me, it really, it's something I really became aware of with the first Gulf War, when we sent troops to the Middle East to restore the dictator of Kuwait and leave the troops in Saudi Arabia to guard them from their own people, essentially, which is what we've done for a long time, guard Middle East dictators from their own people. I mean, Kuwait's a country where women are legal property and criminals have their hands chopped off and we sent troops to die to restore that dictator in the name of freedom. And more recently, of course, let's not forget, um, I'm all for investigating Hunter Biden's laptop as long as we investigate all dealings of all children and sons-in-law of presidents because Jared Taylor, I'm sorry, Jared uh, Jared um, Kushner and Donald Trump literally helped uh, Mohammed bin Salman get away with the murder and dismemberment of a U.S. resident journalist. So like this thing is dirtier than Chris Christie's hamper. And now the CIA and the State Department have been sued because they have not released records related to Donald Trump's long and well-documented but not discussed enough efforts to try to get nuclear technology into Saudi Arabia. Because under, under Trump, as you know, as you know, all foreign policy had to be transactional, mm-hmm. right? I mean, oil, war in Iran, nuke tech. So like we know that back in 2019, Tom Barak was leading these negotiations to sell sensitive nuclear technology to Saudi Arabia. Nothing in Tom Barak's career qualifies him to do that, except that he's got a lot of ties to Middle East leadership and a lot of ties to Donald Trump. And And he's currently under indictment right now 
Yeah. Uh, and and so it dawned on me as we were talking that perhaps the reason that these documents haven't been handed over by the State Department and the CIA is under a FOIA exemption for the inability to do so because of ongoing investigations. So there may be an open and ongoing investigation into this with regards to Tom Barrick. Um, and then, of course, we have this $2 billion present uh, of investment to an investment firm started by Kushner from Mohammed Bonesaw himself. And, and that, Bonesaw. And that which, is... Which the Sheik's own people advised him not to do. Yes. I mean, I mean, you want to chop up a journalist and dismember him and, and record the murder and lie about it? Go ahead. That That's okay. But investing in investing with Jared Kushner, not a good idea, Sheik. That's my favorite part where they're like, you know what? This is bad optics. When when doing a joint venture with Kushner has worse optics than dismembering a member of the media or just being Mohammed bin Salman. Uh, and so, you know, we talked to a lot of folks who they, they have very well-placed sources. This is this was a payoff for the uh, intel that Kushner gave them on MBN, right? The, the, the right. And, and traitors to the crown. So also, I wouldn't be surprised if this uh, nuclear uh, information had something to do with that. And also that $118 billion arms sale that went exactly. to Saudi Arabia that didn't get congressional approval that Pompeo is being scrutinized for. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, this is a crime family. And literally, they were trying to sell our nuclear technology to the Saudi dictators to line their own pockets. As you well know, everything with Trump, just go back, follow the money, follow the money. I mean, if you can measure presidential administrations by their scandals, who compares to this? I mean, Watergate was a drop in the bucket next to Iran-Contra, right? Teapot Dome was a drop in the bucket next to the Iran Iraq invasion. We've never seen corruption at this level. Mike Flynn, as you pointed out, was literally caught trying to give away our nuclear technology to Saudi Arabia. But Kamala Harris was buying cookware, and that's a bigger scandal. I mean, like, like we can't say this enough because anybody who did what Mike Flynn did would be in prison selling new U.S. nuclear technology to Saudi Arabia. Anyone else would be in jail for this. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, just like when we talked about those 15 boxes of, of uh, information, which we now know classified, uh, which we now know is being investigated by the Department of Justice. Uh, making their way down to Mar-a-Lago. If you or I, if I, when I left the Department of Veterans Affairs, if I took any classified information, they'd be knocking on my door the very next day. I don't know why the National Archives didn't uh, waited a year to tell the Department of Justice that we think there's classified material in these boxes that uh, Donald Trump took a year ago. And what was it Hillary Clinton did that made Mike Flynn chant lock her up? It, it was it was using a private email server, right? That's why Mike Flynn said lock her up. I mean, it's. Allison, is there any demographic that's easier to emotionally manipulate than right-wing white male non-millionaires? Is there any group? I mean, <laughs> grooming, whatever you I mean, literally, the same people that despised me as a child for not hating Russia enough now despise me as an adult because I distrust the leader of Russia. There's no easier group to manipulate <laughs> in the world. And I mean, you know, in 2019, multiple whistleblowers were warning us about this. And and these actions were not in the U.S. Na national interest. 
I mean, these were not in the interest of U.S. They foreign were against policy. Against the, the interest of U.S. foreign policy, Completely. much like what, much like what happened in Ukraine. Um, but yeah, Thank you. completely uh, gullible. And that's why for a long time I was like, should I just be a Christian country singer? I could probably make a zillion dollars. Um, yeah, but you might accidentally read the Bible and realize it's all, you know, against the Republican Party agenda. I mean, this is my favorite issue, as you know, like there, there's no way that you can say you're a Christian. I mean, you can say you're a Christian about for Trump. We 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 have a freedom of speech. I, I can say I'm the Rolling Stones bass player if I want. I'm allowed to say it. But I mean, if you actually read the New Testament, there's no way that you can say you follow the Jewish carpenter from Nazareth and also endorse the policies of Trump. And I mean, look at Marjorie Taylor Greene this week on a far right wing Catholic podcast, literally arguing that Christians at the border providing comfort to asylum seekers are doing the work of Satan. Like she has forgotten more about the Bible than she's forgotten about her own actions on January 6th. And, and at sometimes I want to say the cruelty is the point, but it never was. The cruelty is not the point. The cruelty is always the deflection. The cruelty is always the stuff to get us mad, right? I mean, being shitty to trans children, that's to get, you know, us folks all angry and riled up. It's always the deflection. The profit is always the point. And I mean, we know from October of last year, public reporting revealed that Flynn, the first and very brief national security advisor, had hidden $200,000 in payments for his work back in 2014 to help build 40 nuclear plants in Saudi Arabia and elsewhere in the Middle East. It's all follow the money. The one thing Robert Mueller never bothered to do. Yeah, or was couldn't. <laughs> Uh, although they did have that secret fourth team, we found out about the fifteen million dollars from Egypt and the secret Chinese bank account. So there was a there was a money team, but we don't know what ended up happening with that. But I mean, look at this kind of quid pro quo. I mean, we talk about Trump and the quid pro quo with uh, with the the arms for uh, for Ukraine. Like they sold U.S. nuclear technology to Saudi Arabia, helped cover up a murder, and then Saudi Arabia gives Jared Kushner a two billion dollar loan. <laughs> Which oh, is why Trump, our right wing friends are all are all encouraged to talk about Hunter Biden's laptop all day. And Trump did not follow up on the 120 day response uh, that he was supposed to follow up on, according to the Magnitsky Act. Um, That's right. That's uh, right. In the murder of, of Jamal Khashoggi. So speaking of the Bible, let's go down to Florida, because there's a gentleman who is now under the new book ban law that makes it easier to ban books. There's a gentleman much in the in the spirit of the flying spaghetti monster. Uh, filing petitions to get the Bible and the dictionary banned in yeah. Florida public schools because of their own laws that they just passed to ban books they don't like about trans children or LGBTQ plus community. Um, right. And so I thought that this was very, it, you know, on one hand, it's entertaining. It's, you know, like, hey, there's a lot of sex and cannibalism and people having sex with donkeys and stuff. This just isn't the kind of stuff I want my kids to read about. Uh, but also, this could pose serious litigation concerns for other books that might get caught up in this net that the right wing didn't consider or didn't care about, because let's just face it, they're fascists, that all they're trying to do is just stomp out the speech that they hate. So, um, But there's so much going oh, on. I'm, I'm sorry. They're not even trying to do that. I'm so sorry to interrupt. <laughs> Ron DeSantis isn't trying to stomp out any hate. Ron DeSantis is trying to convince white people that he's doing something. Right, right. That's all this is. He's not trying, I mean, he's not even, the, the worst part about this is it's not even censorship. You know, he, his new whole thing is, don't say, don't say gay. 
Um, and it's true, it doesn't actually say gay. The bill should be called, go ahead and say gay, and we'll let any batshit parent of any child of any age in any school sue you for it. It's more insidious than censorship. It's self-censorship because you're gonna be so afraid of lawsuits. And they say it's just for K through three, but it's actually for any grade. The actual law says uh, classroom instruction by school personnel or third parties on sexual orientation or gender identity may not occur in kindergarten through grade three or, and again, the whole thing about this law depends on what your definition of or is, or in a manner that is not age appropriate for developmentally appropriate or developmentally appropriate for students in accordance with state standards. What standards? They don't know. The whole thing is made up like these abortion laws, Allison, to let anybody sue anybody for any reason. Yeah. And it's just to get the word out without thinking about what happens next or the legality of it. They did it with the Muslim ban. They did it with uh, Trump's lawsuit against the New York Times and Mary Trump. Any Trump lawsuit is really just for the for the optics. The census question, the citizenship census question, none of that was going to stand, but that wasn't the point. It goes back to that same old pattern of behavior where they say, hey, Zelensky, just say you're investigating. You don't have to investigate Biden. Just announce it. Hey, DOJ, just announce you're investigating election fraud. You don't even have to do any of this. Um, And and so if I may, Zelensky, Zelensky was part of his blackmail was he had to there was never going to be an investigation of Hunter Biden or Joe Biden. He just had to announce it. Just say it. And the announcement had to be on American CNN, the leader of a foreign country announcing an investigation on another country's news channel. And the, you know this, the day the whistleblower story broke, Zelensky canceled his appearance on CNN. The whole thing was rigged. July 27th, 2019, I remember it well. We were live on stage in Chicago and somebody handed me a memo that, that Adam Schiff had said, there's some sort of whistleblower situation going on with uh, and we're going to look into it. And I was like, uh oh, what's this? Is this because we thought they were already doing impeachment? Uh, uh, you know, we, we called it. We said, no, 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 because the Republicans were like, it's not real impeachment unless so something happens, unless the House votes on it or the Senate votes on it uh, when you actually don't have to do that. And so we, we had joked that it's only um, impeachment if it comes from the impeachment region of France. <laughs> Otherwise, it's just sparkling conspiracy. Um, so. Down to back to Florida, because now we have this thing where another they didn't think ahead uh, moment when DeSantis and the legislator, the legislators passed this law revoking Disney's uh, special district uh, without reading the actual law uh, that says, you know, if you want to revoke this district, you can, but you got to pay our debt, bond, our bond exactly uh, before you do that. And there's about a billion dollars there. And then all of the property taxes are going to triple in these two counties. Uh, and so now they're like, well, you know, but it doesn't matter. The bell has been rung. The money has been raised. You it's know true. what I mean? I mean, that's yeah. just that's all this is, is it's performative bullshit that isn't going to go anywhere. They know can't go anywhere. But you make that announcement, just announce an investigation and you've got it made in the shade. You're so right. That's all it is. It's all just about performative uh, governance that doesn't actually help anybody. In the case of Disney, I mean, Ron DeSantis won that state by what, 32,000 votes. Disney employs 77,000 Florida residents. So, I mean, yes, he is the smart Trump, but he is still as dumb as a bag of wet mice. And um, the Disney thing is already going to backfire on them. But, you know, 
it's all just for election time. By the time that deal actually went through, it would be way past this November's election. And Disney knows it as well. And, and let's also remember Disney only came to the aid uh, of opposing this don't say gay bill because of their employees. They let it pass. And then it was protests from yeah. the staff who worked for Disney. We were mad at Disney at first for not saying yeah. anything. We were going to boycott, don't watch Disney Plus, da, da 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 And then all of a sudden, Disney was like, okay. And they were pushed into opposing the Don't Say Gay Bill by their, by their employees. Number one largest employee in the state of Florida. Uh, and he's fucking with them. And, and you know, it would make sense if you think, well, he's, he's putting forth these bullshit gerrymandered maps. But governor is a statewide election. Governor is yeah, a but state... That's the, but I'm glad you mentioned the gerrymandering because let's keep it going with how it's all about Mr. X. The same day that the whole Disney deal was announced, right? That morning was when the Florida Department of Health ordered every doctor in Florida to medically detransition all transgender kids. Doctors were ordered to stop name, pronoun, and clothing changes as if doctors have the power to do that. Like I woke up in the morning and I thought, my God, this guy's crazy. This is the most evil thing I'm gonna read all day. But then a few hours later, we heard the Disney story and that made the big headlines and it made so many headlines. There was barely any coverage for later that afternoon when you know it, the DeSantis Florida legislature dissolved the fifth voting district, which stretches from Jacksonville to Tallahassee and is 46% African-American. So, and they were there and they banned all journalists from being in the chamber. They kicked every journalist out. There were African-American legislators praying. They pushed them all away. And now that largely black district, which has a black congressman exists no more. And those African-American Florida residents have now been parceled off to four different majority white districts completely diluting the black vote and that got the least amount of news that day because the mainstream media was talking all about disney and now and there's disney. no there's no automatic section five of the voting rights act requirement needing department of justice approval from former confederate states to make those changes now That's it right. has to be proactively done by the department of justice and i do hope they sue for vote dilution with those two districts, because that's, you know, it's what they call packing and cracking. It'd be um, great to see them do something, wouldn't it? Be really it would, great. And they have in several other states. So I, I suspect they might, but, uh, you know, chop chop. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, let's not forget, we just buried Orrin Hatch. Orrin Hatch literally begged Barack Obama to nominate someone like Merrick Garland to the Supreme Court who wouldn't be controversial and would be a boring moderate. And then when Obama nominated this boring moderate, Orrin Hatch, protested and denied the first black president even having an up or down vote on his duly appointed Supreme Court nominee. And that Merrick Garland, the man who was chosen because he was so bland and boring, is now the person on whose shoulders the fate of democracy may rest. But I will say, though, uh, I like the fact that um, uh, the guy who's running the U.S. attorney's office in D.C. Uh, is a kind of a badass. He 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 brought about some seditious conspiracy charges and that takes balls because it hasn't been brought in 40 years. And so I'm hoping and he was able to convince Merrick Garland, who had yeah. turned down Mike Sherwin previously for the same charges because the case hadn't been built yet. That's right. That's Mike, right. That's Mike true. Sherwin went out and blabbed all about it on 60 Minutes. And the judge called in an emergency meeting about the Oath Keepers and said, you got to fucking shut up, dude. You're going to jeopardize this case. You're going to stomp, trample all over criminal defendants rights. And despite that, 
um, the, the U.S. attorney in D.C. was able to bring this case back to Merrick Garland, button it up, and, and, and bring seditious conspiracy charges. So that gives me a little bit of hope that, he, right. does, that he does have the, the intestinal fortitude. Well, to- and if I may, in fairness to Merrick Garland, when he was on the Oklahoma City bomber case or the Unabomber case, there were zero leaks at all convictions. Yeah, so- and, if, and, if, and if he brings, if, if the guy from the U.S. attorney's office in D.C. brings some charges against Trump and his inner circle, and Merrick Garland refuses. There's going to be some pro. There's going to be some protest resignations. I'm I, I'm certain of it. We it won't be they 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 won't go quietly. But you know, I mean, when people call into my SiriusXM show, everyone's really concerned about all of these uh, mainstream media obituaries that are being written six months early for the Democratic Congress and yes. saying how Kevin McCarthy will be speaker. Which, by the way, as a fan of democracy, I weep. As a fan of comedy, I'm so ready for it. I mean, imagine a guy who makes John Boehner look like Obi-Wan. I I can handle that, trust me. But um, a lot of people are spending a lot of money to make a lot of Americans despair and feel gaslit and think it's not even worth it to show up this November. And I wouldn't be surprised if things change. It looks like the January 6th commission is really planning on quite the summer primetime miniseries for us all to watch. Uh, It also looks like the Supreme Court is gonna gut Roe v. Wade this summer. And I cannot think of anything that could inspire greater voter turnout when 77% of all Americans support women's reproductive freedoms in all or some cases. And I'll tell you, after this week, um, I think when the most recent pause on student loan debts resumes in August, I think Joe Biden will politically decide that's the right time to forgive $10,000 for every borrower. I've been I, saying, I, people are like, why just keep it? pushing it back? Why keep pushing it back? I'm like, ah, he's waiting for a politically advantageous moment, my friend. Exactly right. And why not in the beginning of the fall and couple it with announcements saying there's so much more we, we wanted to do for you. Mm-hmm. We want paid family leave like the majority of Americans. It's not controversial. We want to have Medicare cover vision, hearing, and dental. That's not controversial. Most Republicans support that. They bought off two Democratic senators and it killed it. They bought off two Democratic senators and that killed paid family leave. Most Americans, including most Republicans, want Medicare to be able to negotiate with Big Pharma for lower drug prices. But they bought off two Democratic senators. Biden can come out and say, this is what we're trying to do for you, but you have to elect more Democrats. It's not giving away free stuff. It's giving you something back for the taxes you pay. And uh, contrary to what Mitt Romney said, it's not a bribe. Okay, a bribe is when you give $2 trillion in tax breaks to your donors. They're actually going to be giving this student loan debt forgiveness to all Americans, including Republicans. And if there's one thing we know, Republicans don't care if your party gives them stuff. We saw that with Obamacare. They'll still vote for the party that hates them. Because that party talks about Hunter Biden's laptop and putting women in jail for abortions. And wasn't there an actual group that was handing out literal cash to black voters to vote for Trump? I mean, l- yeah. let's let's uh, project yeah. a little bit less there, Mr. Romney. And yeah. and, and if isn't it nice to be reminded though that Mitt Romney's a cretin? Isn't it so refreshing to get back <laughs> to Mitt Romney being this corrosive vulture capitalist who, like Liz Cheney, you know she's still wrong about everything. Yes. But one thing, folks. <laughs> We waited 20 years to see a Cheney get punished for lying, and instead we see a Cheney get punished for telling the truth. Look at all the crap these guys, look at all the racism they've cotton to, and 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 look at, I mean, who got in trouble? Madison Cawthorn, they're cutting loose finally, uh, because he told the truth about cocaine orgies. I mean, yes. after everything else he did. But Marjorie Taylor Grit, Matt, 
Matt Gates is so corrupt, Bill Barr would not go to the same party he was at before he left the DOJ. But that's all fine. But but Liz Cheney told the truth. And we know from the recordings, Allison, that McCarthy knows Liz Cheney told the truth. And that's why she lost her committee assignments. And I think it's an important lesson to Democrats that the thing that takes Madison Cawthorn down isn't an insurrection. It's not a coup. It's sexual deviance, which is all cool for us in our book. But well, I don't know. I mean, you know, you know, Dems eject them, Repubs reelect them. That's how it's always been. Yes. But in the case of Cawthorn, I got to say, keep leaning in, folks. There's stuff here we really don't know about. I mean, you look at this Cawthorn little petulant brat that he is, uh, you know, look at all the things he's done with driving without a, a license and calling Zelensky a thug, driving two times with a revoked license. He just divorced a woman he was married to for eight months. Guns in the airport. He met her in an illegal Russian casino. Casinos are illegal in Russia. So that to me says someone's got compromise on him. Multiple sexual predator accusations. He lied about being accepted to the Naval Academy, but wearing lingerie on a cruise ship, that's a little too far, son. A little too far for us. Yeah, and I, I can see like Vladimir Putin like angry that the Republicans are releasing all the compromise they have on, on Cawthorn. <laughs> Um, Senator Phyllis comes out and says, oh, he's guilty of insider trading. Yeah. When have you ever seen a Republican care that another Republican did insider trading in your life? Yeah. There's stuff we don't know about this kid that Kevin McCarthy knows. And it's amazing to watch them finally cut one of their own loose. Yeah. And if anybody thinks that uh, the Elon Musk buying Twitter is anything more than either a pump and dump stocks deal or an effort to get the left to stop talking. Uh, ahead of the midterms uh, is, uh, is uh, you're right. So don't. I mean, how many, leave how many followers Twitter. have you lost? How many about, followers have you lost? About two thousand. I lost five thousand. Barack Obama lost three hundred thousand this week. Yeah. I, you know, I, if you're angry that a billionaire is buying stuff, I suggest you look around at America. This is how it is right now. And I, I know I should be really angry that billionaires buying Twitter, but I'm more angry that billionaires are buying senators. Yeah. You can buy our government. That bothers me a lot more. Yes. And stay. Don't cede an inch of ground. Do Own. not cede an inch of ground. Stay on Twitter. And if I may also mute the trolls, don't block them. And if you're talking to, to a person on Twitter who's got like a, a 2022 account with 12 followers, you're not talking to an actual person. So- <laughs> Don't block them. That gives them power and bragging rights. Mute them. Let them scream into the abyss and ignore them. Twitter, I've learned, is the place where we're all the hot chick at the bar. And we have to ignore these trifling fools that are trying to get our attention all day, like the hot chick at a bar or like the celebrity on the street. You have to, like, ignore their taunts and not let their taunts bother you and just keep on moving on. And they want to gaslight you. They want you to despair. And in this midterm election year, despair is privilege. A lot of people are spending a lot of money and hiring a lot of bots to make nice, smart people give up. Yeah, don't give up. Uh, thank you so much for joining me today. Everybody check out the new John Fugelsang podcast. Uh, we covered we, everything. My God, we covered everything. We did. We covered Let's everything. Uh, that comes out weekday mornings uh, everywhere you get your podcast. And then, of course, tell me everything on Sirius XM Progress. Always uh, a pleasure to speak to you. I, uh, and thank you so much. I look forward to talking to you again soon. Anytime. It's, and thank you for coming on my show. It's always a great pleasure. You are so good at this. You make it look easy. Thank you. All right, everybody. It's time for the Fantasy Indictment League. I'm going to be indicted. No, it is going to be a... Indicted! Honey, dick. Indicted! Honey. I'm going to be indicted! Hold it. 
they can't, it's gonna be okay. Just calm down. I can't calm down, I'm gonna be dead! Okay, I mean, my team's not really changing much. You know, I definitely still have Enrique Tario superseding seditious conspiracy charges on the table, probably with every other Proud Boy that hasn't flipped. Uh, of course, I'm going to have Gates, L.A. Key, and Engels on there from the Middle District of Florida. I'm going to have Rudy Tonesing into Geneva uh, from the Southern District of New York. I'd like Sidney Powell in the D.C. out of the D.C. U.S. Attorney's Office superseding Tom Barrick indictments from the Eastern District of Virginia. And I think Bannon is going to be indicted in that case. And I think Manafort could be indicted in that same Barrick case. So keep an eye out for those. That's my team this week. And of course, I'm going to throw some rando Russians in there. Thanks again to John Fugelsang. It's always a pleasure to talk to him. I will be back in your ears tomorrow on The Daily Beans. And there's the final episode of the MSW Book Club out today with the author, Wajaha Ali. And we're talking about his book, Go Back to Where You Came From, and other recommendations for being an, for becoming American. So that's it's, he, he answers patrons' questions. It's truly a great episode. I think you will definitely love it. Uh, and so, until tomorrow, please take care of yourselves, take care of each other, take care of the planet, take care of your mental health, and vote blue over Q. Uh, I've been A.G., and this is Muller She Wrote. Muller She Wrote is written and produced by Allison Gill in partnership with MSW Media. Sound design and engineering are by Molly Hockey. Jesse Egan is our copywriter and our art and web designer by Joel Reeder at Moxie Design Studios. Muller She Wrote is a proud member of MSW Media, a group of creator-owned podcasts focused on news, justice, and politics. For more information, visit mswmedia.com. Hi, I'm Dan Dunn, host of What We're Drinking with Dan Dunn, the most wildly entertaining adult beverage-themed podcast in the history of the medium. That's right, the boozy best of the best, baby. And we have the cool celebrity promos to prove it. Check this out. Hi, I'm Allison Janney, and you're here with me on What We're Drinking with Dan Dunn. And that's my sexy voice. Boom. Boom is right, Academy Award winner Allison Janney. As you can see, celebrities just love this show. How cool is that? Hey, this is Scotty Pippen, and you're listening to The Dan Dunn Show. And, wait, hold on. The name of the show is what? All right, sure. Scotty Pippen momentarily forgot the show's name, but there's a first time for everything. Hey, everyone, this is Scoot McNary. I'm here with Dan Dunn on What Are You Drinking? What's it called again? Fine, twice. But famous people really do love this show. Hi, this is Will Forte, and you're, for some reason, listening to What We're Drinking with Dan Dunn. What do you mean for some reason, Will Forte? What's going on? Hi, this is Kurt Russell. Listen, I escaped from New York, but I couldn't get the hell out of Dan Dunn's happy hour. Please, send help. Send help? Oh, come on, Kurt Russell. Can somebody out there please help me? I'm Dita Von Teese, and you're listening to What We're Drinking with Dan Dunn. <laughs> Let me try one more time. Come on. Is that oh, right? What we're no, drinking? It's amazing. It, it's it amazing. Right it's just... Is it right? Ah, that's better. So be like Dita Von Teese, friends, and listen to what we're drinking with Dan Dunn, available wherever you get your podcasts. MSW Media. Hi, this is John Cryer, and I am hosting a new seven-part true crime podcast called Lawyers, Guns, and Money that'll challenge everything you think you know about U.S. covert operations and presidential misconduct. 
From Jack Bryan, the director of American PSYOP, comes the incredible true story of John Mattis, a newly sworn in Miami public defender in the 1980s who has found himself completely in over his head. I step off the plane and there is a van with a couple guys with Uzis. And one of them in broken English said, welcome to Bogota, John. Mattis's first felony defendant has been arrested for having a machine gun and tells Mattis a dangerous secret. He was shipping arms into Central America on behalf of the CIA. As a first-time lawyer, I want to act like I know what I'm doing. But with the help of a Colombian drug smuggler... How much money the CIA raised by hitting up drug dealers? A lot of money, millions of dollars. An Alabama mercenary... They were prepared to die to the last man. I saw this in them. I saw the fire in their eyes. And they made me their war chief. And a newly elected senator, John Kerry. We are looking at allegations of drug running, gun smuggling, conspiracy to commit murder and murder itself. He'll fight to free his client. The judge said, show me in a courtroom how we were at war. Expose an illegal war being run by the White House. I mean, I wanted him involved, but I didn't want to be on record as doing it. And somehow stay alive in the process. I just escaped a kidnapping by the CIA in Costa Rica. This is lawyers, guns, and money. So you have a man in Armani suit standing on the bow of a boat with a rocket launcher and says, if I lose sight of you, I will launch. You will be vaporized. Available everywhere starting October 29th, or get it ad-free and early starting October 22nd at lawyersgunsandmoney.supercast.com. There you'll find bonus episodes along with exclusive content. Subscribe now.